I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Rock Cypher here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. You can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. That's where you can find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. And if you're not familiar with what a rap cipher is, it's a crowd that forms in freestyle raps as they pass the mic around to each other. Well, it's the same thing here except there won't be any rapping going on. We'll just pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing. And we're kicking off our NFL team previews in the cypher. And in this episode, we'll take a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and some of the biggest questions heading into the 2017 season. And Chris, I'll let you kick this one off. You know, when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2016, it was the Killer Bees. It was Big Ben. It was Brown. It was Bell. So you start to ask yourself, is the window closing on this edition of the Steelers? It's a great question because we, we've seen Pittsburgh, especially under Mike Tomlin, shout out to Mike Tomlin as well too, never had a losing season in his coaching tenure there. So th- the door may be closing on a championship, possibly, but I think they'll still be competitive as they start to turn this roster over. And we've seen them turn this roster over uh, since the 2000, let's say, 15 draft. They've added some pieces those pieces started to come in play. Let's really go back to 2014. So I think their their youth has now become a little bit more experienced. So they're in that transition now, but they've been able to be competitive within that transition. They need to start hitting on some of those receivers they drafted since 2014 or guys that have to stay out there and be committed. So we'll see. But I do think this team under Mike Tomlin will be competitive for a very long time. Um, Are the Steelers still owned by the Roonies? They're still owned by the Roonies, so they're going to be competitive because I don't remember a time where they were not competitive under the ownership of the Roonies. So as long as the Roonies are, um, you know, holding ship and you got Mike Tomlin as the captain, I think that I think that the Steelers will be right there. Um, And that's I mean, to me, it's as simple as that. That organization is the most rock solid organization in the league. I don't care about what people say about the Patriots. It's it's. It's not the Patriots, it's the Steelers. Um, they're the most rock-solid organization in the league. Um, they believe in how they do um, what they do. And I just I have an unwavering faith that if something happens, they're going to be able to right the ship very quickly. Well, I tell you, first and foremost, it's, it's really interesting how a guy like Mike Tomlin can do what he's done and still have people question whether or not he should still be the coach. But then you have guys like Jeff Fisher 
who have a, a, a holiday, you know, seven and nine named after him, July 9th. And for that long period of time, he was still coaching. I never understand that, but I mean, it's, it's just unfortunate and it shows just kind of the imbalance. But when I look at the Steelers, I mean, obviously Ben Roethlisberger, he's we're entering year 14, 15, whichever it is, I think it's 14. And he gives them their, their best opportunity as a quarterback. But as Gene said, this is a, a team that has always been competitive, and they won a Super Bowl with Roethlisberger playing uh, average football. So I, I think they really missed the boat not getting Deshaun Kaiser to to be the, the eventual guy to take over from Roethlisberger. We'll see what Josh Dobbs is able to do there, you know, if he's the guy. But I, I think the window is, is closing as far as them to be a, a top-level Super Bowl contender, but they'll always be competitive and in the mix for a playoff spot. Yeah, and Teron, you took the words right out of my mouth with the, um, you know, with the thing about Roethlisberger. He, I mean, he he's a drama queen year in and year out. You know, you never know what you're going to get from the guy. And then one minute he's talking about retiring, and then, oh, no, I'm going to play. So uh, then he's one of those guys that always talks about his injuries, and, you know, no other player gets that luxury. So the window is closing because Roethlisberger might be done very shortly here. You just, you don't know what you're going to get from him um, as far as his commitment to the game of football. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Do they have their, their, you know, heir apparent in Josh Dobbs that remains to be seen. Um, you know, he's a guy got, a, got a lot of good uh, insight and Intel on him um, from, you know, a couple of GAs that I got a chance to speak to and, I, uh, and also uh, former teammates. And he's a guy that is really, really intelligent. But when it comes down to just football, football being a, a reaction game, um, you, you know, he has a tendency to kind of overthink things. And his confidence level is also not what a lot of people would like it to be. But um, he's still a very good player. He showed well during um, you know, the whole track leading up to the draft. So you know, hopefully they have their guy, but you know, because of the uncertainty there at the quarterback position going forward, it does seem as though their window to win another Super Bowl is closing. And you know, to wrap this one up, uh, first off, the Steelers, Gene's right, is the most consistent football franchise since the Super Bowl era started. Uh, met their head scout years ago at a hotel bar, and he talked to me for a few, and he's like, you know, you should try to become one of our scouts. Great organization. I would have loved to be a part of it. As far as the question itself, I think that the door is closing on this iteration of the, the Steelers. They know what's going on. I mean, Big Ben's already talking about retirement, so they got Josh Dobbs. And it makes sense what you're saying, Brandon, that the GA said about Josh Dobbs, because the first three quarters, you can see that it's, it's a little Yankee with his delivery, what he's doing and in the fourth quarter. He flips a switch, and I think it's because he starts reacting and stops thinking. Exactly. Uh, in the backfield, Le'Veon Bell is not going to be in Pittsburgh for longer than one more, maybe two at the max, if they can refranchise him seasons. That's why James Conner, the darling of that area, was drafted. And as far as A.B., I don't think he fits what they want him to do from a personality standpoint. So yeah. they can't get rid of him. But if Big Ben moves on – I think there's an opportunity that they might do something like that uh, in return for something that's more Steelers-like as far as personality. So I think this this complete team has one season this season left. 
for the killer bees before they are no longer uh, that type of team. You know what? That's a great point about Antonio Brown not fitting the personality of a Steeler. And, you know, they want their guys to be corporate and, and not say much. And we all remember the Steelers being a pass rushing team. And on the back end, their guys being able to make plays on the ball. Their secondary, you have Rob Woodson, uh, Carnell Lake, Dion Figures, you know what I'm saying? Like another guy back there in the secondary. But, um, quite honestly, the last couple of years, their secondary has been a weak spot. And they've drafted constant talent to address that. And I just we just saw, what, two, two or three days ago, uh, one of my favorite players get carted off the field, and hopefully he's going to be healthy in Sinquez Golson. When they drafted him, I loved that pick because he has ball skills. Um, but he's been hurt the last two seasons. So my question is, can their secondary uh, be a strength this year with some of the pieces that they've added over the last three seasons? Um, I would like to think that the secondary is going to be a strength, but quite honestly, I still think that that defense is going to be as good as um, its pass rush, and this pass rush has long been predicated on the ability of their second-level guys, the linebackers, to be able to blitz. And, and that's why I think that the strength will lie again this year. Um, while I do like the young additions of the defensive backs. I just don't know if they're ready to be the leaders of that group. Yeah, I mean, you have a development corner in Artie Burns. You know, they, they drafted Sean Davis out, out of uh, Maryland to be an, another player for them. But I, I just think it, it's on the safeties, you, you know, that's where my issue is. The safety play, uh, Mike Mitchell is a guy that's too aggressive. You know, you could play action and go over top of him. So uh, I'm going to say no. I don't think they have that that secondary to to really uh, be a strength um, in that defense. It's always going to be about the guys, you know, uh, at the linebacker position and up front. Their their front seven. That's that's where their strength is going to lie. Absolutely. Uh, right now, they're a little, in my opinion, a little too young. Um, you know, to for that secondary to to make the impact that they would like to see, um, it, it's going to take take a little bit of time for those guys to get the experience. Uh, but you you mentioned um, you know the the young guy out of um, out of Maryland, uh, Sean Davis. Um, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of potential. I thought he was going to be more of a safety, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, but he's come in and he's done some good things. Uh, you know, playing playing corner. So we'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, and then you've got Artie Burns who can run with anyone. So it's going to be a matter of, okay, with Artie Burns, getting a feel for the routes that, you know, in, in certain situations that he's going to have to, um, you know, be able to anticipate. And I, I like his talent. I think he, he's going to be okay. He's, he's got kind of a slight frame and he's not much of a tackler. But at the same time, um, the, the name of the game at the cornerback position is coverage. Can you cover? And I think that he can do that. So um, I think in time, this young secondary is going to going to progress and, and do some good things. But right now, um, it, it's not their time. You know, some of the problem might be scheme. Another portion is clearly the pass rush not being as consistent as it was in the past. But I think it's also not having the players to run what they want to. Uh, Teron made a good point about Mike Mitchell. He's not a free safety, but we continuously play him there. He's more of a box safety. He can play combo. He can play high if he needs to, but he's more of a strong safety. Sean Davis, 
I think he needs to be a third safety slash matchup guy. Put him on big receivers on the inside. You know, he can slide back and play safety. And they just need a true free safety back there who can roam. And the funny part is I think Emery's guy is actually, if he comes back from the injury, I think with his ball skills and the way he pursues, that he might be a sneaky little free safety guy, Senquez Golson, if they are to bring him back and he can finally be healthy uh, next season. Yeah, another guy, just to put a bow on it, another guy I like back there that they drafted is Cameron Sutton out of Tennessee. Another guy that has tremendous ball skills and he can pick off slants. And you guys already know how I like corners that could jump in and pick off slants. Give me the Aaron Glens, the Daryl Greens, the Eric Allens. Give me those guys 10 times out of 10. And Sutton is that type of a guy. Uh, so we'll see how they'll they'll utilize those pieces on the back end. And he, they've done a good job as far as bringing guys in like Jordan Dangerfield, who was an outstanding player at Towson and even starred in the um, now defunct FXFL, you know, as, as a guy that, that, that was showing their ability that could play corner safety, free and strong. So we'll see how they, they work those pieces around. I still think this could be a, a wait and see type of a um, position for Pittsburgh, but they really need that secondary to start turning the ball over and getting the ball back in the hands of Ben Roethlisberger. And speaking of Ben Roethlisberger, he has one of his toys back this year, um, Martavis Bryant. And um, I think last year that offense felt a little incomplete to me as they tried to look for another guy to be able to feature um, in that in that offense. What do you think the um, return of Martavis Bryant is going to do to this offense? Well, I'll say this. I, I think that offense was, was at its best when they had him lining up outside and stretching the field and also being that guy that they were running the, the, the reverses with or rather the jet sweeps, you, you know, and those type of things. So I, I think the the speed that he gives this this team is definitely a factor. He's a big play guy, so it, you know he's that guy on the opposite side of Antonio Brown that that could you know eat, eat when they focus on on stopping him. So I think he he definitely brings a lot of big playability to them, and he he gives them that that explosiveness that that they need. Uh, absolutely. I mean, basically, you know, you need that other guy that's going to kind of, you know, if, if you want to take away Antonio uh, Brown, you know, this is the guy that's going to get open. And he doesn't have much to him in terms of getting open on the intermediate stuff. He's basically your new Mike Wallace. You know, he, he's going to beat you down the field deep. Um, you know, you're going to have to pay attention to him. You, know, you can't just, you know, leave him on an island, you're going to have to pay attention to him and he's going to make, or he's going to make big plays. So um, he's a very good compliment to Antonio Brown. However, I would like to see him run more of a full complement of routes, um, you know, to, to be that much more dangerous. And additionally, uh, he's not necessarily the best hands catcher of the football. Um, he's got to get better in that area, but you know, he, he's going to be an integral part of that, that offense, you know, because Antonio Brown commands so much attention. What specifically will Martavis Bryant do for this offense? He's going to do wonders for a couple of reasons. Number one, clearly he's a matchup nightmare who is capable of having a 150-yard game, but also capable of having a 15-yard game. Um, one of the issues that happened to Pittsburgh last year, part of the struggles of Ben Roethlisberger in certain games, you had serious inconsistent play from that number two slash three 
the guy that lines up opposite that's supposed to run those go routes. Sammy Coates couldn't catch a cold. Kobe Hamilton was just scared out there, it seemed like. Let's not even talk about Darius Hayward Bay. So you had slot receivers running in routes, Eli Rogers types, but you didn't have that threat, that vertical threat. So what he's going to do is he's going to open things up. Things are going to be extremely easy for Ben Roethlisberger as far as putting up big numbers this year. And the Steelers will have an opportunity to beat some of the big dogs because they now can't just press the box on Antonio Brown with over coverage on him and press the box against uh, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, and it's interesting because Martavis Bryant only catches deep balls, right? It's almost like he can track the football well, but when it comes quick at him, like on your in-breaking routes, like your slants, your in-routes and things like that, that's when he catches the back of the ball, which means he's getting his hands up late or seeing the ball late, which is why it either hits him in the face or he drops it. And I think that, to me, makes him more of the Pittsburgh Steelers version of Kenny Steele's. So – I think when you look at Bryant and return to this offense and his, and like I said, with Kenny Seals, yes, he's one dimensional, but in his one dimension, you have to respect it as much as I, I don't think Bryant is a premier wide receiver. He does his one dimension really well. He's a game breaker in a sense that he's going to get that deep ball. He's going to um, be able to come off play action and be able to score a touchdown. So he, him coming back and being there for 16 games does add a different element to this offense. Wow. Um damn E. That was the that was the damnedest compliment I've ever heard. Um <laughs> I, I obviously disagree and, and we we've we've always gone back and forth on this. I think Martavis Bryant, um I still I still believe he came out a year too early. If he would if he had stayed another year, he would have been probably a top five pick. Um I think that I think that he has done exactly what I thought he would do in the league. He's not just a deep ball catcher. Um, he catches those quick passes and he turns them into big chunk plays. You can hand him the ball on a um, on an end around and he can get your yards. I think he's a lot tougher than people thought coming out of out of Clemson. Um, his, his physicality um, is half of the reason why he's able to come up with those um, catches. Um, those 50-50 balls on deep balls and the way he tracks it because he's able to shake off um, defenders. I, I think that they, they – And Martavis Bryant is the quintessential fantasy football wide receiver, to be honest, like Emory was saying. Uh, he, he's a dude who – he's not going to give you that number one receiver – type of skill set because he can't run the full complement, but he runs he gets big plays. Period. Yeah, he'll get you them numbers, that's for sure. And, and it's funny, Chris, you mentioned uh Darius Hayward Bay and something uh <laughs> our receivers coach used to say to some of the guys who need to improve, you know, he he would say, Boy, if I had hands, I'll be great. And that definitely <laughs> applies to <laughs> that applies to Hayward Bay to the fullest. <laughs> <laughs> our receiver coach uh and i told y'all stories about how funny he is he used to say uh to receivers like brian and things like that like beat him up ball yeah like, yeah <laughs> i'll catch it the first time <laughs> he'd be like that's all right that's all right it hit you in the bad spot right in the hands <laughs> <laughs> now, you know i i think some guys you just got to respect their one dimension and and quite honestly it does give 
let's say a guy like Antonio Bryant, he he, you know, as Bryant will pull coverage away from Brown. I think that just will help the sales offense out as a whole. So um I know we having technical difficulties with Gene. He'll be back in a second. So Teron, what you get on with your your question? Yeah, actually, you know, we talk about this window closing. Uh, Chris, you touched on it. This this is a team that's probably going to be without Le'Veon Bell. So, I mean, I have to ask the question, you know, can this team survive without him? Let's say he holds out and he doesn't come back till, you know, four weeks into the season. Will they be successful without him? Um, I think they can, just more so in a traditional sense of, you know, pounding the rock between the tackles and go and play action. You know, get your three or four yards with, with Connor, you know, on, on first and second down and, you know, try to go play action off of it if necessary or if you can. Um, but he's not going to give you – or they don't have any other backs on that roster that's really going to give you what Le'Veon Bell can do. And just that flexibility, that position flexibility of being able to go and line up out, out in a slot or whatever it is um, – you know, you need guys that can create those types of mismatches. And the footwork that he has and possesses, oh, wow. and even, you know, the, the patience behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I don't think there's ever been a back to, to you know, run as, as patient as Le'Veon Bell has. And, um, you know, and, and it works for him. I, I don't know if it works for any other back, but it works for him. And um, you just don't go on to, uh, to replace a guy like that. So um, when you look at his running style, um, his ability to not take as many hits because he's so patient and he doesn't take big shots. Uh, also, he's, so he's able to preserve his body. And then he's also preserving his body because he's out there playing wide receiver at times as well. So um, I, I just don't think that, you know, you go on to replace a guy like that. So if he sits, he's really hurting his team. Can they survive? Yes. The Steelers have had to do it multiple times due to suspension or unfortunate incidents as far as injury with Le'Veon Bell. It does make things so much easier when you have a guy who can do – the only guy in the NFL who can do anything similar to what Le'Veon Bell does is David Johnson. Right. And he's still not near the level. Le'Veon Bell – I've seen a running back try to have his level of patience and run like that and get tattooed. It's, it's an art form. He's the only person I've ever seen be able to do it consistently. Right. And – it, it, to, to bring this into a full thing, I think he's fully right. Not only should he be paid as a top-level running back, but also as a receiver, and you need to stop with these designations. You should be paid as what your value is as a player. Sometimes a running back might be more valuable than some of these quarterbacks that are out here masquerading as actual football players. Amen. Now, Chris made two great points. The first point i like to address is about uh, the fact that Le'Veon Bell does something that no other running back can do. Because if you try to get out there and do what he does, not only will you get smacked, but your coach will straight you know, eviscerate you out on the field. Like, what are you doing? He, you know, we've all been taught to hit the whole full speed, blah, blah, blah. But can they su su survive? They can, but they won't be as explosive. They'll be easier to stop, quite honestly, because Connor can't – he doesn't have that, that shiftiness, that quickness, that burst. And I think you can beat – if you beat him to the line of scrimmage, you can win versus the run and put them in backed-up situations and he's, uh, essentially make them one-dimensional. The second point Chris made that I thought was great was the fact that he said um, guys need to be paid for their value, and that's the, the the key point here. He's valuable to where he can help you out as a runner, as a receiver. He opens things up 
honestly, for those receivers to work underneath because a linebacker really has to, you know, follow him around in the passing game. They really have to respect him as a receiver, as a threat. He may even draw safety because he's so good. So can they survive? Yes. But will they be as dynamic or as effective without him in the lineup? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I don't know if Gene is still here. Uh, looks like he dropped off, so I, I'll I'll take take over. Um, you know, you talk about James Conner. I I want to see. He he got sent back to because they you know their their camp is in Latrobe. He got sent back to Pittsburgh. He had a he had there was some type of issue. I forget what it was, but they sent him back to get further examination. So I'm hoping that he could be healthy. If healthy, obviously he'll he'll help. But to me, when I look at Le'Veon Bell, it's all about matchups, you know, and, and this is a matchup league, and he gives you that ability to dictate, you know, what defenses are, are going to do. And I, I think that's something that is irreplaceable, and he is that option. You know, we talk about someone that, that can help out on the opposite side of Antonio Brown, but this is someone else that can help out when the defense attempts to focus on stopping Antonio Brown. You could use Le'Veon Bell in those matchups where you put him in the slot, where you let him catch the ball out the backfield. So I think that's something that, that they can't replace if they lose him. And uh, his patience, I mean, that's something that's 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 unique to, to all other running backs. That's, that's totally different how he's able to to be that patient and, and pick that hole and, and, you know, explode through. All right. And so, you know, we've touched on Le'Veon Bell. We've talked a little bit about Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, um, you know, all the talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball and the developing talent that they have uh, on defense. Do you all believe that the Steelers are a Super Bowl contender? I'm going to say this, and it sounds really mean. I do not. I, I don't see it. I think they're a playoff contender because, to me, the Steelers are a wild card to divisional team. At that point, it seems as if the Steelers – that they don't have the sustained success because one of their pieces is always missing on offense at key moments, like in the AFC championship, poor bell got hurt. And then the defense still has not come to fruition. It has not become the unit they want it to be because the front seven is not that fierce Steelers unit. We're used to James Harrison is literally almost 40 years old and he's still their best defensive player, which is just awkward for a team. Yeah. It's interesting because this is a team that was in the conference championship game last year. They were in the AFC championship game. And you're right, Chris, if Le'Veon Bell is healthy, maybe this is a different outcome. And I think their defense was gaining confidence, although they did play Miami and Kansas city, but they still went out there and competed and, and held those teams to less than 17 points. So I think they still can be a playoff. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a Super Bowl contender in the AFC because they have dynamic ability on offense Defensively, you, you you like to think they'll get better. Um, they're young, they're fast, they're aggressive. Mike Tomlin is a great in-game coach, and I think that's where they're going to have an advantage over a lot of teams in the AFC. So I do think they are still a Super Bowl contender. The AFC's list is probably only maybe four teams as opposed to what we see in the NFC with a lot of teams have an opportunity to get to the big game. So I think you still have to include Pittsburgh in that situation. Yeah, and that's exactly why I would include them in the conversation just because, I mean, you figure the Patriots, the Texans, especially with Deshaun Watson, at quarterback, uh, the Raiders will see. 
you know, these are pretty much the teams along with the Steelers that that are the contenders. So I think just because of that, you have to put them in the mix. And when they're at, when they're at full power, I, I think, you know, that's an offense that's very formidable. And they could put up the points to where it could, you know, mask the, the points that they'll give up. And more times than not, they'll end up on the winning side of things. So I would definitely say that they're still a contender. Uh, I, I agree, Teron. I think the answer is unequivocally yes. Um, they have all the pieces, uh, the requisite pieces to to make it uh, to the Super Bowl. It's just a matter of execution down the stretch and guys staying healthy. Um, if, if they can keep their key pieces healthy down the stretch and in the playoffs, I don't see too many teams uh, that, that can handle them. And uh, you add in now Martavis Bryant, who's going to, like everyone has mentioned, take coverage away from Antonio Brown at times. And then if you don't want to really pay attention to, um, you know, to Martavis Bryant, you've got Antonio Brown, uh, or you know, Martavis Bryant is going to beat you. So, I mean, I, I just think that, um, you know, the versatility of Le- Le'Veon Bell, once he finally reports, um, Ben Roethlisberger and the experience he has in big games, I, I really think that this is a team that could, uh, you know, have a big time impact in the playoffs uh, should all their pieces remain intact. And, and I'm sorry to jump in here, Brandon, but with it being a single elimination tournament, it is a little different. But the Steelers give me the feel that the Boston Celtics gave me in the Eastern Conference, number one seed. Uh, but it doesn't feel like – I feel like they could get to the AFC Championship, but I, I feel like they have a 5% chance to beat either Oakland or especially New England if they're in either of those places. Ben, ben is not the same guy on the road. Of late. You're right. You're right about that. Right about that. I'll give you that. And, you know, I just think that they're fun to watch. They're well coached and they have some exciting players. It it makes them, as much as you want to see parity in the NFL, you like seeing the Steelers in in contention because they do have a great uh, staff in place and a great organization. So going around the room, getting you guys' predictions on this year's Steelers team in the AFC North, starting with you, Teron. Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. They're going to win a division. I think it's it's you know that's a no brainer. Uh, the Bengals will will compete, but I, I have the Steelers as long as they're healthy, winning that division. I agree. I, I don't see why they shouldn't win it. They've got too many pieces uh, to to fall to to second in that division. Um, I I think that. Uh, once all the, the guys get rolling and uh, Le'Veon Bell gets back in the lineup, I, I don't see any team in that division beating them. They almost win this division by default. Uh, and what I mean by that is I don't think they're going to have a stellar record, but I think they'll be able to win the games they need to in division, and they end up edging out the Cincinnati Bengals for first place. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch in the AFC and how it plays out because especially with the AFC North, because you have to look at Cincinnati, you have to look at uh, Cleveland could be a surprise team or what have you. But I just think it's going to be so interesting to see this thing play out throughout the course of the year. So that's it for this episode of the Football Cypher. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. For Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron, I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this has been the Football Cypher on a football game plan podcast network.